Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that you gave your life for us. Thank you that you have said that greater love is no one than this than to lay down their life for someone else. And you took darkness and turned it to light. You turned graves into gardens. And Father, we just give thanks. We give thanks that you are a mighty God, the one who's creator of all, sustainer of all, and you have plans to give us a future and a hope. Father, on this weekend, we also give thanks that we have such a privilege of living in an amazing country where we're able to live and worship freely and we're able to point people to Jesus and we're able to share uh, hope that is found in Jesus alone. And so, Father, thank you for those who've given their lives for us. May we not take that lightly. God, I pray that because we've come to worship today that there would be transformation to take place in all of us. I pray for those who are not yet followers of Jesus that today would be that day that they would decide to put their hope and trust in you. And I also pray for many of us who are already followers of yours. God, may today be a day that we would say, God, if there's any area that we're keeping from you, that we would turn that over to you, the one who loves us and has plans uh, to cause all things to work together for good. So we commit the rest of this service to speak to, continue to speak to us, and I pray that you would open our eyes to see you more clearly. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. Thanks for making time to worship. Uh, you may be seated, and those of you online, it's good to see you as well. Uh, those that are in-house, there is a QR code, and you will want to put your phone on that, your camera, and be able to put a, uh, an opportunity for you to have a, a prayer request that brought in. And before we uh, bring our focal verse, uh, just once again, uh, thank you for your faithfulness, New Cov, in uh, rising to the occasion. Last week, I shared with you, uh, actually a couple weeks ago, and then did an update uh, a couple weeks ago, we were trying to raise $4,000 for our friends in India who are taking the message of Jesus to those in the slums, those who are struggling with health issues. I mean, it was incredible, uh, the need that is before them uh, for just basic food, for medicine, uh, for shots, and they needed $4,000 to be able to take um, to these who are without, and uh, that would be for 120 families. And we bypassed that, uh, and then this next week, uh, we even went a little further, and so wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. The total is $17,719.98. That, that is gigantic. They asked for four, and we said, nope, that's not enough. And I'm so grateful to be a part of a church. Again, I share that over and over again, but I'm so grateful to be a part of a church that sees not only the needs that we have here in the States, but also uh, way outside. So thank you again for your generosity. That is huge for us. Um, what I want to share with you this morning uh, will... Actually, we could probably just go home after the, after the set of worship songs because... Uh, what we just sang about is all about John chapter 2, where we're going to spend our time this morning, where Jesus wants to come along and bring light into where there is hopelessness. But my fear as we go through John, through the whole book of John, as we f look at the highs and the lows of, 
of what John saw, what he uh, wrote down. He's an eyewitness account to so many things. My fear of us going through this passage is that we have many of us who've grown up in the church that there's familiarity with so many stories. In fact, when we get to John chapter 2, you're going to have a tendency to say, oh yeah, I read that, I've been there, done that. And my fear is that is that familiarity many times breeds indifference. And so what I want us to do before we jump into John 2, I want us to pray that we would not have an indifferent kind of an outlook at all and that we would read through the book of John over the next uh, couple of months as we read through John that we would read it again for the first time. John is, is overwhelmed saying people need Jesus. And he's gonna, he follows Jesus, he's an eyewitness account. He talks about uh, numerous uh, miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, he talks about the, the amazing I am statements. And when we see what Jesus does in John 2, it is no doubt that he is the great I am. And our tendency, once again, as we read it, is just to be indifferent about it. Or many of you who are in the middle of wilderness, many times wilderness breeds weariness. And some of you who put in prayer requests, you've been in the wilderness for a long time, and that can breed callousness, just saying, or resignation. You know, it just is what it is, and God has little to say or little to do with this. And I'm, I'm just stuck in a horrible, bad situation. And that is the fear of being in the wilderness for such a time. But what we want to pray for is an awakening. And all of us, regardless of what kind of season you're in, we all need an awakening. An awakening breeds new life and it breeds, breeds hope. So let me give you our focal prayer verse and then we'll jump into John 2. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, listen to this for the first time again. And so dear brothers and sisters, speaking to those of us who put our hope in Jesus... We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we deserve. We can boldly walk in to heaven. By his death, Jesus opened a new life and and giving away for the curtain in the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, here it is again, let us go right into the presence of God. Walk right in. You have an open door policy with God. And it's not because you have been so faithful. It's because of the faithfulness of Jesus. You and I can enter boldly. We can enter, walk right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood, not because we've improved, to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Here's the takeaway. You have complete access to the creator and sustainer of all that exists. This is incredible. Hear this for the first time again. You and I have access to the creator and sustainer that exists. Incredible that God would give that to us. And so as you put in prayer requests, uh, What we're going to pray is that you would know know how much God loves you and cares for you and that you have access to him and that you would boldly walk into the presence of God with what you have. 
So John begins with a prequel, so to speak. We saw this last week in John 1, 1 to 2. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. The Word was with, or Jesus was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Jesus is before origin and beyond destiny. This is who we have access to, the one who is before origin and beyond destiny. Jesus did not begin at his birth he did, or even at his miraculous conception. Jesus has existed as God and with God from before he constructed time and space. We know in Colossians 1.16, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And in verse 17, and Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. You have complete access to the creator and sustainer of all that exists. Whatever season you're in, you have access. You can walk boldly into the throne of heaven and say, Jesus, this is my need. And if you're able to create and sustain and bring life to things, you can certainly take whatever I am facing and you can bring uh, out of graves, you can bring gardens. And so we close with this last week, John 1, 14. So Jesus became human, and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one, of the Father's one and only Son. And here's the purpose of the whole book of John, John 20, 31. But these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the purpose of everything we read through this summer, is that Jesus wants us to know that we have life in him, and we have power to live life. Satan does not want you to buy into this. He, does, he wants you, the familiarity of these stories, he wants you to be indifferent, he wants you to be passive, he wants you to blow it off, he wants you to think, that that is not what God has for us. In fact, in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose, this is for you, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Now, before we jump into an amazing story, what Satan wants you to do is he's not going to come in and tempt you to do some big horrible thing What he wants you to do is to build a horizontal construct that is devoid of anything transcendent. In other words, he wants you to leave God out of the equation. He wants you to look horizontally to bring life and to bring meaning and try to figure out life. And that if Satan can get you to look horizontally without any room for God. In fact, is that not what the evil one did in Genesis 3? He comes to Adam and Eve and he says... Let me try, help you, encourage you to try something without including God in the picture. And whatever you're facing, what the evil one wants you to do is just try to build this construct that's all horizontally driven that is devoid of anything that has the power of God in it. When we look at John 20, 21, he says, No, I want you to believe in me and have life and power in his name. I like what uh, Charles Spurgeon said. He said, in proportion as a church is holy, or in proportion as a church is uh, uh, open to the presence of God, is, is trusting God, 
set apart would be another way to put it. In proportion as a church is holy or set apart, in that proportion will its testimony for Christ be powerful. Now remember, you and I make up the church, and so let's put it this way. In proportion as you are set apart for God's purposes, in proportion to how you are set your life apart for for God's, God's glory, will your testimony for Christ be that powerful? And so my prayer as we jump into John chapter 2 is that God would speak so clearly to you. And let's pray and ask that. Father, I pray that in the next few minutes as we look at John 2, God, would we not uh, look at it and just say, oh yeah, I've been there, heard that, read that, let's move on. God, may we... May we be open to what you want to say to us. May, would, you, would you bring to our minds any area of our life where we are building a horizontal life without regard to you? And I pray for freedom this morning. I pray for those that are in, in deep wilderness that you would bring life and light to them and hope. I pray for those that are in the midst of of the most amazing season of life, that they would continue to put their hope and trust in you. And I pray for those who are not yet followers that today, as they look at John 2, that their lives would make, that they make a decision that their life needs to be turned over to Jesus. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. John chapter 2, let's jump into it. Beginning with verse 1. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Let me just do a, uh, uh, in the story for you immediately, Jesus is going to come to the rescue, and they're going to be without wine. He's going to turn water into wine. So I've just killed the story for you if you haven't ever heard it before. Now let's back up and let's realize what a powerful story this is, because if you read this and say and, 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 with indifference, yeah, Jesus comes to a party, he shows up, mom says, hey, we're out of wine. Jesus says, okay, I'll take care of it, and there we go, and Jesus takes care of it. But that isn't exactly all that transpired, and I want us to jump into this story. And the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration, and they showed up. He accepted invitations to social events. He was engaged in the culture. And one of the things that we want to do as a church is to make sure that we keep our bridge down and that we engage with people who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ, that we don't pull up the drawbridge and choose sides. We pull that broad, drop the drawbridge, and to make sure that we are where people are who don't know Jesus yet. Jesus shows up at a party, so it's okay for you to go to a party, okay? He, yes, I hear a yes. <laughs> Next thing that happens, the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine, they've run out. Weddings usually lasted for days, if not an entire week. This is a horrible, bad thing. Obviously, they were not Baptists. They never would have had it in the first place. Excuse me, the grape juice ran out. Does that make you feel better? 
So the wine runs out, and this is a bad thing. Verse 4, dear woman, Jesus responds, that's not our problem. I don't recommend that you say that to your mom. But Jesus replied, my time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary must have been close to the bride or the groom for her to care enough to come to Jesus with the problem. She must have been somehow involved in taking care and serving or it wouldn't have been her problem, but she does not sit on the, on the sidelines at all. But Mary is, is, is assisting somehow in the preparation and the serving of the meal. And notice this, Mary did not tell Jesus what to do. She simply reported the problem. She doesn't say, here's how I want you to solve the problem. She just says, here is the problem. And one of the best things you can do when you run into difficulties is just come to Jesus and say, here is the issue. And leave it at that. And I love what Mary said in the end of verse 5. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Now, keep in mind, Jesus has not done any miracles to this point. They have, have no space in their brain yet. Well, Jesus did this, Jesus did that, Jesus did this, and this, and this, and this, a miracle. He has not done any miracle. And some of you are in a situation where you're going, I don't know in my history how God could take what has happened and bring something new out of it. So they're in this situation. It's a very horrible, bad situation. And yet, she just simply says, do whatever he tells you. Okay, this is not rocket science. How do you know what Jesus tells you to do? Okay, write this down. Read the Bible. Get it? Good. So through the month of June and July and August, read John. And as you read it for the first time again, ask, what are you telling me to do? And do what Jesus says. You see, it is to our benefit, it is to our self-interest to choose Christ's interest because he wants to take that which we are, where we are, and make something beautiful out of it. And it's to the benefit of the people whom we influence also for us to live our lives that way because when people are influenced around us, they will discover that no one can give them what only God can give them. They're going to be around us who have not just a horizontal part of our life but a vertical part of our life that we're reading God's word and we're responding and we're doing what Jesus tells us to do and we get to influence people and point them to Jesus and they see this amazing power of God in our lives and it's to the other people's benefit in your neighborhood. It's to the benefit of others at work. It's to the benefit of those at whom you're around. It's to the benefit of those whom you live with for you to hang out with God because God begins to transform your life. Do what he tells you. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own horizontal understanding. 
that all your ways acknowledge him, vertical, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Back to the story, verse 6. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master's ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. We could sit on this for hours. In fact, let's do So he takes what is plain and ordinary, that which people would typically use to dip their hands in and to wash their feet off so they could be ceremonially ceremonially clean. He takes these six stone water jars, able to hold 20 to 30 gallons each, just typical, useful with water, and he tells these guys... Fill it and then take a dip some out. Take it to the master ceremonies. Again, no miracle has taken place yet. And they are at a crossroads. And you and I are going to be at a crossroads when we read God's word and it tells us how to respond to people and what to do or what not to do. And you're going to be at a crossroad because you have to decide, am I going to do what Jesus says or am I going to lean on my own understanding? Am I going to try to solve my problem by myself or with other people instead of allowing God to speak into your situation? They're at a crossroads. You and I are going to be at crossroads all this summer deciding whether or not we're going to put our hope and trust in Jesus for what he tells us to do as we read through the book of John. When the master of ceremonies, verse 9, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Now imagine what these servants are doing, going, oh, no, this is going to be a horrible bad day, possibly. We've taken that which people wash their feet with, and we've given it to the headmaster, and we've just been, we've obeyed, but we still don't know. Nothing has happened. They didn't taste it. They just hand it to him, and they're still going, they're getting ready to run. That's my interpretation. They have no idea what's going to happen. They were just faithful to what God, and they're watching, and he drinks it, and they're just going, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen, but this could be really bad. This could be bad. And then the headmaster says, A host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. They must have been Baptists. Okay. <laughs> but you have kept the best till now. Whew. Incredible. And listen to this, only after we've obeyed will we have the opportunity to experience Jesus at a deeper level. Jesus didn't say what was going to happen. He just said, do this, do this. And they obeyed, and they were a part of the first miracle of Jesus. Imagine now they go home, and their family says, how was your day at work? 
You are not going to believe what happened. This is incredible. They were able to be a part of the miracle that God performed. And you and I get to be a part of God's activity in the lives of other people as you and I are faithful to do what he says and don't lean on our own understanding, but in our ways acknowledge him and allow God to have a part, if not full access to everything we do, to allow him to work in our life. And other people benefit when you and I follow Jesus. That is the beauty of this. I like what I came across this week. Faith is what transforms us from unbelieving believers into believing believers. Wow. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And most of us in this room and online are followers of Jesus, but there we, enter, we encounter different problems that come up and think, I have no idea how this is going to work out. In fact, I don't think it's going to work out. I've never faced this before or whatever. And we have this, this unbelief mixed in with our belief. But faith in doing what he says, faith is what transforms us from unbelieving believers into believing believers. Our obedience. This was a miracle of transformation that illustrates the change in people's lives that takes place when they believe Jesus and obey. Believe and obey. Believe and obey. Don't just be a hearer of God's word. Do what it says. Verse 11, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Wow. So let me close with this. What does this tell us about Jesus? And I'm just going to make some statements and pick one or two that you feel like Jesus is talking to you about and saying, this is what I wanted. This is why you came this morning. This is why you got online this morning. This is what I want you to hear. Number one, everything rises and falls on Jesus. Everything rises and falls on Jesus. You leave Jesus out of the equation. That's, there's a consequence to that. How about this? Jesus can bring new wine out of the ordinary. We all have ordinary situations, and Jesus can bring newness and new wine out of the ordinary. How about this? There's nothing in your life that Jesus cannot transform. I bet you those servants certainly believe that. Their lives are changed because here they were with just regular ceremonial uh, basins and just tap water and Jesus takes that which is ordinary and transforms it into something incredible the best wine ever how about this when he moves in your life you can count on it being the best thing for you or Jesus' last act of faithfulness was not his last act of faithfulness. Some of you are in this, this season going, I, what, if, what if I've used up all of God's grace? That's not the case. God's last act of faithfulness is not, was not his last, last act of faithfulness. Two more. Faith 
never knows where it's being led, but it knows the one who's leading. If the second phrase is true for us, the first is irrelevant. If you know who's leading, then you don't have to worry about where you're going. Put your hope and trust in Jesus. And the best one of all, the best is yet to come. They had no idea what was to come, and yet the best was saved for last. The best is yet to come. Jesus can bring new wine out of you. Jesus wants to bring new wine out of you, transform you inside to out. So let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would put our hope and trust in you. I pray that we would allow you to transform us, transform our lives in such a way that not only are we transformed through obedience, but God, that the lives around us will begin to see Jesus in us. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So let's talk about our reading plan for the week. Why not, right? So we have encouraged you to uh, use the Bible Project. Uh, if you go to the Bible Project, if you're not using uh, our regular Bible reading plan, the Bible Project is one that does an amazing job of background study, and then it'll take you through the book of John. You're not too late. Just get started on that. It will take you through amazing stories of what Jesus did in his life. Let me also add one other to, uh, to your uh, list that you need. I don't know how many of you have been involved in watching The Chosen, but it is fantastic. You can go to your uh, phone app, look up The Chosen, and it is a movie by uh, Dallas Jenkins and several, several others uh, who just put together the life of Jesus. Again, it's just a rendition. It's an interpretation. Uh, and so you take that uh, as you read. But it is one of the most inspiring series uh, that I've been looking at. Karen and I have, are watching it, and it's just amazing. It will take the life of Jesus, and especially when you uh, watch the one on Jesus turn the water into wine, uh, you'll just be over, overwhelmed with the goodness of God. So if you're looking for something on your phone app, The Chosen, and it'll say The Chosen Jesus TV Show, and it's by Angel Studios. That should be easy to remember, Angel Studios, and uh, it'll be a, a, a series that you'd want to watch with people around you. It's just a, a great one to be had. This next song is one that I think if you'll allow the lyrics to just speak to God for you, that you would allow the lyrics of this next song to say, Jesus, this is what I mean, this is what I want, this is what I desire. And uh, we'll uh, end our service with this. <laughs> 